Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't done in free agency, yet they add a crucial offensive lineman to the mix who could be a starter, and that might mean a specific pathway could be ahead for their NFL draft plans. We'll talk about that with Ray Fittipaldo, who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll also cover Pitt's finish in the NCAA tournament as they lost to Xavier on Sunday, but what it means for the program, how they, how they played this year, how they got to that point, and how Jeff Capel might be building forward. All that and more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, we bring you our shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that you can find on our, all our podcasting apps, but also on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed, subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all the daily content that comes from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Again, this show comes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but every day we got something new for you. And today we've got Ray Fittipato, Steelers beat writer, here with us on the North Shore Drive podcast. Ray just when we thought the Steelers were done with the first week, they added a they, they added a new offensive lineman in Isaac Samalo in a, as as a guard, but he seems a little bit different than Nate Herbig and honestly even like guys like Kevin Dotson. This is a guy who was a starter for the Eagles in their Super Bowl run. What do you know about Nate's, uh, about Isaac Samalo and what he brings to the table and how that might shake up the entire offensive line situation? Yeah, I mean a big run game baller, also very good. In- uh, pass pro, um, you know, he did have some injuries back in 2020 and 2021. Uh, he missed seven games in 2020, then he ended up missing 14 games in 2021. So um, started 17 games last season. Obviously, when he's healthy, he's a really good player. Um, he's he's your starting left guard, Chris. Um, they signed him to uh, a three-year deal worth $24 million. That's basically – James Daniels' money from last year. Um, so he's going to be your starter at left guard. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Kevin Dotson. I think Nate Herbig um, never played center in a game uh, for, the, for the Eagles or the Jets, to my knowledge, but he did practice there with the Eagles. So I think he's your top interior backup. And then, I listen, I think it's going to be uh, extremely hard for Kendrick Green or Kevin Dotson to make this roster and we've seen the makeover so far. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another interior guy drafted um, in a couple of weeks and then both those guys are gone. I think time is short for both Kendrick Green and Kevin Dawson. I, I do think that's going to be interesting, especially with uh, Kendrick Green. I mean, he didn't even dress the entire season. I think that's, right. that's a foregone conclusion. But Kevin Dotson, I just wonder if how much if the Steelers would be able to keep a guy like that on the you know as a backup at least for a year because like we said all, all all you know after the season was over it was remarkable that Steelers offensive line no one missed a start 
and you know every, everyone was able to stay healthy. Um, but you're right, but with signing Herbig, and you know it, it's going to put the Steelers in that situation where Kevin Dotson might be the fourth guard option for this team, and would he want to be part of that? You know, after being a starter last year, that's a big question. Um, but I do think this is kind of going along in the Andy Weidel train of loading up the trenches with guys who can be physical and making sure that you have some depth there. And both the free agent signings are guys that are former Philadelphia Eagles, where he came from. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you look back on it, they were very lucky to get through the season without any injuries last year. Um, their backup plan was ill-conceived last year. You know, Kendrick Green was a uh, was a strictly a backup guard. Of course, he never had to play. J.C. Hassenauer was your top interior backup. And then you had Trenton Scott as your swing tackle. Um, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to keep Kevin Dotson on this roster if he can't play center, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's going to make $2.7 million in the final year of his rookie contract. They could save $2.6 million by cutting him. And you could sit here and say, well, $2.6 million isn't a lot of money. It's but every piece. little bit counts. It's, yeah. it, it's money on the salary cap. So, you know, that's the reason I think that, you know, I, I don't know if they can get a, a late-round draft pick for him or, you know, if he just might be a, a guy who gets released here at some point during the offseason. But, so when I look at what they're doing with their offensive line, Chris, um, you know, Kevin Dotson really hasn't ever been a favorite, um, you know, with his coaching staff. And I know there's been different offensive line coaches, but he's just never been a guy who's been able to get a lot of traction here. And if you look at last season, I thought he improved as the season went on, but uh, there were a lot of penalties and the pass pro was pretty shaky early in the season before he straightened that out. So we're into phase two of this rebuild. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, uh, what's next is getting that left tackle. And uh, we'll see if it comes in the draft. Um, you know, I think that's a pretty good possibility. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think they're almost done rebuilding that offensive line. They just need that one cornerstone piece. And uh, we'll see if they can get it in this year's draft. Kevin Dotson, 12 penalties on the year, four sacks allowed. And I believe one of them was the, was one of the hits that put Kenny Pickett in the concussion yes. protocol. Certainly, yes. uh, certainly a concern the Steelers wanted wanted to shore up. Um, and I do wonder, you know, if there would be any, you know, callback for him is in in a, in a trade market. But like you said, the Steelers could use that cap space to do other things uh, and add other veterans at other positions there. Um, but I think you went to the next point that I wanted to get to is is the offensive tackle position and how that could shape up in the NFL draft. But before I get to that, because I want to talk about that in the next segment, because we can tell we're going to be able to talk about the visits and the plans and the, the the offensive tackle class that we've been looking at and how much more real it could be and how how serious they are going to get how serious the Steelers are going to get about getting one of those tackles. But before there, I want to just explore a couple things. Is do you see the Steelers sticking with Mason Cole at center or moving anybody around? Because there's been a lot of people I've seen floating around on social media like, ooh, what if they move James Daniels to center or move this guy to center? And I don't think James Daniels is necessarily moving anywhere. I feel like he's kind of really good at right guard for the team right now. And I think Mason Cole held it down at the center position over this past year. I think you have a lot of guys who can play guard. Wrong with those guys who can play guard. Yeah, I mean, listen – all those contracts that, the, that were signed last year, they were three-year deals across the board mm-hmm. with Chooks, Cole, and with, with James Daniels. There are outs within those contracts where they can move on, but, you know, you'd be taking on a dead cap hit, like if you decide to move on from a Mason Cole or any, anyone like that, and any of those, uh, any of that trio, to be honest with you. So I, I think the, the, 
the year to move on from those guys, if you over-recruit them or if you get new guys in here or better, would be next season. The dead cap hits would be much lower. And, uh, you know, I, I just think you roll. Like, roll with those guys for one more year. Nate Herbig's going to be your backup. Mason Cole's going to be your center. Uh, you got Isaac on the left side, and then you got James Daniels on the right. Um, and I, I think that's the way it's probably um, going to play out here. So, um, you know, I like all those guys, to me, Chris, I don't know that any of those guys that were signed last year in free agency, I don't know if any of those guys are going to be re-signed again by the Steelers. Like, I think they're all just kind of good players, you know, solid, but I don't know if they're foundational pieces for your future. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. I think they're they're all solid, but I think in time when their contracts are up or when it makes sense to mo- move on from them, uh, you know, they could possibly get some guys who are um, in here who are a little bit better. Certainly. We'll talk about the guys who they who they want to get in maybe this year with the NFL draft who can be better and maybe be some of those pillar pieces over the long term. We'll talk about that and a lot more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast in Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's Ray Fittipato. I'm Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here at the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here joined again by Ray Filippato, Steelers beat writer here. Ray, the Steelers, it was thought at the beginning of the draft process, way back, well, as soon as the Steelers, the draft process starts last year, but as soon as the Steelers finished their season, immediately a lot of people started looking to the NFL draft and saying, all right, offensive tackle. But then, you know, there was a lot of talk about the cornerback class and, you know, def- defensive line, and then there's linebacker and edge rushers, and there's all these other positions that get in the way, and there was also interior offensive line. I think we can safely put to interior offensive line to the back of the line now as far as needs with the additions they've, they've made here. But I do think that the offensive tackle position is wide open. It's a, it's a, it's a class that has a lot of interesting talents. There's a few first-round guys who I think would be really good fits. There's a few second-round guys who would be really good fits. What Do you think that this is a guarantee now that the Steelers either picked it with 17th overall or 32nd or 49th? Like I just feel, I, at this point, I do feel like the top two rounds are, you know, you have three picks. One of those is, I think, is undoubtedly going to be an offensive tackle, at least with the direction that they've gone in. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what they're doing with the scouting trail here too, Chris, I mean, uh, they were at Georgia's Pro Day, and I know there are a lot of Georgia prospects, but uh, Broderick Jones certainly is one of them. Uh, we saw Pat Meyer at Northwestern's Pro Day last week for, for Pete Skaronsky. And we know that at least one top 30 visit, um, and there's probably going to be more, but the one we know of at this point, DeWan Jones, the right tackle from Ohio State, um, is going to come in for a top 30 visit next month. And we all know that the Steelers, and usually Mike Tomlin, Tomlin and the GM, they usually also double up and, and go to Ohio State's Pro day as well. So it seems like they're focused on tackles and not necessarily a left tackle. Dewan Jones is a right tackle. I think mm-hmm. uh, people who follow the draft also realize that Darnell Wright is probably a right tackle. There's, um, you know, not much talk about him moving to the left side. And then, of course, you have Jones, Paris Johnson, and Skaronsky, the top three uh, left tackles in this draft. So they're certainly focused on them. Um, now, whether that comes at 17, 32 or maybe even 49. I doubt 49, but, um, you know, whether it's 17 or 32, I think if they're going to get one of those guys, they're going to have to spend one of those two premium picks on them to get that guy. 
I agree, and I think that that's. I think again, that's just where where that where it would be a, a really big good fit for what they're trying to do this year. If they're trying to revamp the offensive line, they've done so with 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 the two interior additions that are. And you already like Mason Cole and James Daniels. Last year you brought in two. This year you bring in two, and you have four good guys that you or four good free agents that you feel you're confident about that you've signed over the last two seat two off seasons. And it's that the interior can have at least a good rotation. Then with offensive tackle, you still got Chikuma Core for you. Still got Dan Moore Jr. Jesse Davis has hit free agency, so you know I do think that you could be looking at a situation where yeah, you bring in a guy and then Dan Moore Jr. Maybe he you know he, if, if he if you draft a guy high, you bring that that rookie in and see how he battles with Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle, presuming that you draft a left tackle um, instead of a right. And then you see how that battle you know, ensues in training camp. And if Dan Moore Jr. holds him off, great. If, if not, the rookie starts, and then you have Dan Moore Jr. as an experienced guy that can maybe be a swing tackler, be a player that you move move around. Um, you know, I also wonder if you know maybe maybe you know they they if if they if the player value that they get in the first round doesn't match up with offensive tackle. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. If they wait, if they wait till 32 or 49, and maybe a guy like Matthew Berger on the Syracuse offensive tackle, like there are guys later in the draft that I think would still be good picks, but not guys that project to be day one starters that you bring in, slap on the offensive line, and it's immediate upgrade. Yeah, so at 17, you're probably looking at Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, or Peter Skaronsky. Right. When you start getting down to the Matthew Bergerons and the Dewan Joneses. Um, and I know Darnell was rising up draft boards, but with right tackles at 17, you usually don't see right tackles go that high. I mean, usually that's um, – you can usually get those guys later. So I think DeWan Jones at 32 or 49 would make sense. Um, I, I know he's been rising too. Um, Bergeron, there's talk that he could be more of a guard in the NFL, so you don't even know about his position at this point. I'm sure the Steelers have their evaluation on him, but um, he's a guy who's really, really good in the run game, which would fit what the Steelers do, but he's not great in pass pro at this point. Really good athlete, but he's not a plus pass protector at this point um, in his development. So there, there would be some, um, uh, you know, coaching that has to be done there, and there would be some question about him being ready to step in and perform as a left tackle as a rookie. So when you get into that second tier of offensive linemen in that 32 to 40, uh, 49 range, there's going to be some questions about their plug-and-play ability. There's going to be some questions about their best fits, but there are some really, really good football players that you can still get in the second round, Chris. Going back to free agency for a second here, Ray, I think Samalo caught people off guard because, you know, a lot of people had him ranked as well, you know, maybe the best guard that was available in free agency this this year. And then, you know, that could be debatable, but uh it shows the Steelers are willing to be active and they're willing to make moves. Uh I don't believe that they've restructured anyone else yet, uh, other than Minka Fitzpatrick so far. Are there other moves, whether it's you know, cap saving moves or 
uh, signings that you could see in the future, and maybe not a, a person to predict, but maybe a, a position right. that you think that they'll actually go get in the next week or two? Yeah, I mean, second week of free agency, there are still are some guys who are out there. Um, if you're looking at positions they haven't addressed yet, um, it's receiver, it's tight end, and it's um, uh, edge rusher, outside linebacker. Um, now, they might not want to address those positions, Chris. If you, uh, I know you follow the draft very closely like I do, very uh, tight, uh, very deep tight end group, mm-hmm. uh, very uh, deep uh, edge rusher group as well. So mm-hmm. they might be focused on, okay, hey, we don't really have to spend money in free agency. We can go get a really good receiver, tight end, and edge rusher in the draft, and we can plug those guys in. Because it's not like they need starters. They just need a number three receiver. They need um, a number two tight end, and they need a number three outside linebacker. So those aren't – you don't have to use premium picks on those guys. You don't have to spend a lot of money in free agency on those guys. But you could in the next week see like a – let's say Bud Dupree wants to pay, uh, play for $5 million a year. Or let's say that there's um, – I don't think Kyle Van Noy has been picked up yet, but a veteran who can come in and play for 2 $3 million a year if he wants to extend his career – and that wouldn't preclude you from taking an edge rusher, say, at pick number 80 or pick 121, whatever that fourth-round pick is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you kind of see how this draft and this offseason is developing now. Um, it's a great draft for all three of those positions group we just talked about. And uh, it, it could be, if they don't address it this week in free agency, it just could mean that those, uh, those positions are going to be focused on in the draft. Uh, that certainly will be uh, something that everyone's going to be talking about, uh, whether they do it in the draft. But there's also, like you said, there's still time left in free agency, really in the whole offseason you can still do it. But still plenty of guys available in free agency. I think Terrell Edmonds, the Terrell Edmonds question is still going to be interesting to see if they bring him back again in free agency on another short-term deal. Well, there's a lot to explore there. We'll keep exploring that right here in the North Shore Drive podcast and all our work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find it all at post-gazette.com where our friend Ray Filippato here, Jerry Dulac, Brian Batko are all doing their hard work to keep you updated with all the moves of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ray, thanks so much for joining us. We're switching topics next. I'm talking with my partner, Noah Hiles. We're still here in Greensboro, North Carolina. We're going to drive back to Pittsburgh today, but before we do that, we're going to talk about Pitt and how that season finished. We'll do that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Noah. We're back here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by my partner in crime, Noah Hiles, with your pit beat writers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm still at the Airbnb. Noah is getting our car ready for our trip back to Pittsburgh from Greensboro. But Noah, Pitt went out. They, they, they fought hard. They lost to a very good Xavier, Xavier team. But in talking to the players, there was definitely some pain with the loss. But I think there was, there was a lot of pride in realizing the accomplishments that they achieved this season. Yeah, absolutely, Carter. I mean, anytime Jeff Jeff Capel said it best, you know, there's only one happy ending in March. Everyone else, they end their season on a loss, and it's it's tough because you, you fight so hard for that journey, that opportunity, and when it doesn't end your way, it's 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 a it's a tough pill to swallow. But yeah, big picture. I mean, if you if you you were there in the post game presser with me, I mean, they had the four senior guards up there. And, and none of them had tears in their eyes. None of them were even frowning because I think for the first time all year, they were able to really look back and appreciate what they just accomplished. I mean, this was a team that hadn't had a winning record in six, in six years. It hadn't been to the tournament in six years. It hadn't been ranked in six years. 
all of those things were achieved this year. And that's, that's something to really be proud of. And, you know, Jamarius Burton, I think, said it best. They, they came here looking to make the program better, and they left it better than what they found it. So I think that's a, that's a huge win. This will be a big year for Pitt basketball when we look back at it, regardless of what happens in the future. Just this season itself meant a lot to, I think, a lot of people. I, it makes me wonder, because when you think back to the better Pitt teams that brought up the program with Ben Howland, you think back to the Brandon Knight squad and everything, it's different than how it was because Brandon Knight and Donna Savakas and Ontario Lett and Siobhan Travel, Julius Page, that crew had years together to kind of prove it. And they went to multiple Sweet 16s together. This team had one year, one run, and they got to the round of 32, winning multiple NCAA tourna- tournament games in the, in, the, in the tournament for the first time since the 2009 uh, March Madness. Um, it makes me wonder if Pitt goes on a run after this, and we'll talk about the potential of that in a, in a little bit, but if Pitt goes on a run after this, you know, how, how special does this team continue to hold for the program and for the fans when you're talking about, like, you know, earlier this year, we honored the 20th anniversary of the Big East Champions 2003 team. They didn't have uh, a, 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 a conference banner to hang. They didn't have a tournament banner to hang. Uh, and they, they, they didn't get to a Sweet 16. But like Nike Sabande said, he said, look, we got an NCAA banner back in, back in that place, and we're going to be able to bring our kids here l- later in life and show them, hey, that's what we did for this for this program. Yeah, and I think this is a unique group because – I think in today's world of college basketball, this, this is the new reality. You're not going to have many guys who are around for three or four years. And maybe in a program like Pitt, that can be, you know, they could go against the norm and, and have guys who stick around. But I, I just don't see that being the case. I think that, yeah, like the, those teams with players like Carl Krauser, who were there forever, LeVance Fields, uh, you're not going to have players like that at, at Power right. 5 programs. So, this is kind of the start of a new era, literally with just a new coach and everything, but just also a new era of college basketball where this is going to be the first of hopefully many pit teams that can that can reload a roster and, and go on a run in March. And regardless of what happens, though, Chris, moving forward, this group's always going to be remembered as the ones who, who made it happen uh, under Cable. And if, and if they're the only ones who do it, if next year the program regresses back to what it was and before and, and they, they continue to struggle and it all goes bad again – then that makes this group special because they were the ones who figured it out. But if the program continues to move forward and March becomes another regular thing for, for pit basketball, then yes, that, you know, they probably won't be the group who went the furthest, but they're the ones who, who sparked it. And that Jamarius Burton shot against Mississippi state and Dayton and, and, and the Aiden fish basket against Syracuse and, and Nellie Cummings hitting four straight, three or three straight threes on the road against North Carolina. Those moments will be remembered. They weren't here for long, but this group definitely made its mark in pit history. And uh, I, I really don't think they'll be forgotten for just the story they, they wrote in front of us. Jamari's Burton, Nellie Cummings, uh, Nike Sabande, Greg Elliott, all seniors who spoke uh, Aiden fish as well. We should say as a senior who will not be back, but Pitt is getting back, potentially, the transfer portal's crazy, anything can happen. I've learned that with college basketball, never count anything for sure. But as the roster, as it stands this moment of Monday, March 20th, 8.46 a.m. Eastern Time, they currently have Blake Henson, Faye Federico, the Diaz-Graham twins, uh, William Jeffress, uh, Nate Santos, and, of course, Dior Johnson. And then 
They're also bringing in a, what looks like a strong recruiting class, both four-star guards, uh, Jalen Lowe and Carl Carrington. They're also bringing Marlon Barnes, a small forward uh, from the same school that John Hughley came came from. And now Jeff Capel can get active in the transfer portal with John Hughley gone, and you know we'll see if anyone else leaves. How who do you think that Pitt keeps the core guys there? Of course, Henson, Fetty, the twins, Dior, and you know, and with the young guys they gain, they, if they keep that core together, do you think they keep that core and then? make are able to make some some more hits in the transfer portal this year i mean yeah they, they have to and, and jeff talked about that in the post game presser as well how as soon as he got back to the hotel it, it, it's transfer portal season now and, and they have to move on and you know with with what they have coming in and what they have returning there's a lot of opportunity here i mean you could you could go a lot of different routes you could try to find another veteran guard to lead this young talented backcourt with with Johnson and and Carrington and Lowe I mean those are three four-star guards but together they've played as many college basketball games as I have you know and and you need a little bit of experience there and and I think maybe you find that with a shooting guard maybe like another Greg Elliott um you could also find another stretch four, someone who could help out with some rebounding, but doesn't necessarily take away minutes from Guillermo and Fetty down low. You could find more shooting. You could you could do a lot of different things with the with the open roster spots they have right now. I believe it's just two. Uh, with with the three coming in out of high school, you have just Hughley and Fish's spots on the roster to fill. But, I mean, it'd be crazy to assume that no one else is going to transfer. I don't anticipate right. the Diaz-Graham twins or Fetty or Blake Henson leaving, but who knows with Dior Johnson. Will he stick around? He doesn't really have a history of doing that at the high school level. And then you look at guys like Nate Santos and William Jeffress, who I think are both key pieces on a good bench, on a good team, but maybe they feel like they could be starters somewhere else. And that's a decision that they'll have to figure out. But the point being is there are a lot of things Pitt can do with this, with this roster in the off season. They have a lot less to build uh, this, this year based off of the success that they had. I mean, they have a lot more returning, but they have, they have an expectation now and that's good and bad. You know, guys are going to come in here expecting to win they're a program that can sell themselves on, hey, look at how well we use the portal. We know how to win. That's all good stuff. But you also have the expectation of, hey, this all worked out really well last year. Let's see you do it again. And, and can they do it again? And if they're able to do it, you know, bring in some veterans who can who can provide leadership like we saw last year. Find those high-character guys. If they're able to do that, this program is going to be in a really good spot. We'll certainly see if they do that. Stay in touch with all our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette coverage at post-gazette.com. We're, we're going to drive back to Pittsburgh, and we're going to need a, a break, but we won't have much of it because spring football is upon us, and the Blue Gold game is coming on April 15th. We'll get you all that coverage there right at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. From Chris Carter and Noah Hiles, thanks again for checking out the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks to Ray Fittipato for being honest with us as well. I'll be back Wednesday talking more things Pittsburgh sports right here in the North Shore Drive podcast that you can find with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but daily. We have content coming out on our podcast apps and our YouTube channel stick with us got a lot more coming and i'll see you again on wednesday thanks for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast of the pittsburgh post gazette if you're watching this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our youtube channel for six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just six dollars click the link down below in the description
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.